We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. This podcast episode is brought to you by Uplevel, the app that's redesigning the world for women. Head over to uplevel.com, that's U-P-L-E-V-Y-L.com to join the Uplevel network and learn how to accelerate your life professionally, personally, and financially. Apply now and get access to highly curated, female-focused, and ad-free content. Membership required. Download the Uplevel app on the App Store today. Tonight's episode features Alexandria Ritchie, who you're going to hear me refer to her as Sasha because that's how I met her when our mutual friends introduced us. She is the founder and CEO of the clothing line Dama Detroit and the host of the Women We Love Wednesday podcast. Ever since I met Sasha, she has been a huge support and she really, really is the epitome of women supporting women. During this interview, Sasha spoke about how she went from being an only child to having three siblings at once. She spoke about how she's grateful to her parents for the unique and civil way that they dealt with their divorce. She spoke about losing a step-parent at a young age and how it affected her and the importance of society recognizing the importance of, of step-parents who, who operate as biological parents. Sasha offered advice on coping with grief and how to be there for loved ones who are grieving. She spoke about her brand, Dama Detroit, why she created it. She spoke about her experience regarding influencer marketing, being on both ends of it, social media boundaries, and posting purposefully. We ended off with Sasha speaking about making time for friends and family to achieve that work-life balance and what she hopes that the next generation of women won't have to struggle with. I can't wait for you to hear her story, learn a lot, and be inspired. It's funny because for a while I was an only child. So I think most only children are generally very introverted. They're very creative. They learn how to play on their own. When I was eight, I believe, my dad got remarried and my stepmom had three kids that were all around my age. So I went from being an only child to having three siblings right away, which is like a huge transition for me. So that like forced me out of my shell a lot. And obviously I had to learn to share and get along with other kids. Um, It was definitely the best thing that could have ever happened to me. I mean, I'm very close to my family and with my step siblings. So um, we're a very tight knit family. Um, We were as much as I, so I have kind of the two sides to my personality. Even today, I love reading. I love cooking. There's a lot of stuff. I, I like my alone time. But I also do enjoy like being around like a close circle of like family and friends. Um, Yeah, we grew up, my parents were very into like having us into a lot of activities like playing soccer and tennis and doing things like that. So I have both sides to me. 
Wow. Wow. So you were, so you were young when you, you know, all of a sudden had this family kind of inserted into your life. Yeah. Very young. I mean, it was definitely like a big change. Um, and not to say there weren't like some growing pains, but overall, I mean, my stepmom is like an incredible woman. Um, and her and my dad, I was very, very lucky, especially when I saw how some of my friends' parents were handling divorce. Like they literally got divorced the the best way possible. And like, they decided they were going to be civil with each other. They decided they weren't going to speak badly, like about one another to me, which is, um, not typically the case. So they made like a concerted effort you know, and I'm so grateful and like blessed to them for doing that. And they both ended up meeting and getting remarried to partners they've been with over 20 years now who are like, they're amazing together. Wow. That's so special. Very rare. Incredibly rare. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. And tell me about how you learned how to speak five languages, because that's super interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So I, (laughs) people always ask like, oh, well, you must be like from somewhere else or like have like your parents or something. And like, I mean, we're like second generation Italian. And like, by the time my dad was being raised, they weren't even speaking Italian at home. So like, I didn't, we, we only spoke English growing up. I mean, our family is like multiple generations in the U.S. So I always was so jealous of like people that could speak other languages and thought it was so cool. So starting in middle school, I was super lucky to get an incredible German teacher, which is not always the case. And she was like really influential because she had um, like an exchange student program, which is really rare for that age. Usually it's not until you're like 16 or 17. Um, So me and my sister did it. I guess we were in high school, but it was like ninth grade, like, which is really young to be doing that. So me and my sister did it. I like loved it. We spent time in Germany. Like it was just a great experience. Um, And then from there, I ended up switching schools like halfway through high school. And then I just took like all the language classes I could. They were like, what do you mean? You're like, you don't need to do all this. Like you already have one language for your requirement. I was like, yeah, but I want to take Spanish and French too. So I started doing that. And then I was so young when I graduated just because I was at kind of the cutoff age. So my mom put me in kindergarten at four and a half. So I was nannying or babysitting for this German family who were really nice. And they, the mom looked at me because you're usually like 19 when you graduate from school in Europe. And she was like, Oh my God, you like, you're so young. Like, are you going to do a gap year? And so I always thought like, well, it's too expensive. Like my parents can't just like send me to Europe for a year. And she's like, why don't you like become an au pair or something that I started researching it became an au pair in France, which like horrified my father. <laughs> My mom realized I was just going to do it. And as long as I was safe, like whatever, I was living with an amazing family who I still keep in touch with today. Um, I stayed there for a year and then I moved to Czech Republic, which is actually has a huge expat community and it's a really like eats meets, meets West kind of place. So there's a lot of people from like very far in Eastern Europe. So like Georgia, Armenia, Russia, Ukraine. And then there's also a lot of people from like Western Europe. Um, and from the States, obviously, and like the UK. So I had like a really international group of friends. And then it's easy when you're surrounded by other languages, obviously, like I did have really good teachers as well. I didn't learn completely on my own, but it's a lot uh, easier when you're surrounded by those cultures, and you're not as isolated, like some places in the US, it can be a little challenging. Right, that is so cool and brave of you to, you know, leave when you're when you were so young, in ninth grade. 
Yeah. So in ninth grade, I, the exchange program, we stayed with a family for a month and then uh, the girls would like come over here for a month and stay with our family. So that was like a really, that was a cool experience. And like our parents would like meet via email before and like talk. It was kind of like pre Skype a little bit, but they would like, and the school was like heavily involved to make sure obviously like everyone was safe and that they were like did background checks on the families and everything. But it was, it was a very fun experience. Like I really enjoyed it. Wow. That is so cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I was thinking about the safety issue, but you just explained that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. My parents would not like independently let me just go (laughs) at 15. They they were cool. They weren't that cool. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. No, that's amazing. Well, good for you. Okay. So now it makes sense how you learned how to speak five languages. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but no, so that's still very brave of you as a, you know, you were so young. So to, to go ahead and do that, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely think I got that from my mom, my dad and my stepmom are like, I mean, really brave in like different ways, but just in terms of like the like exploring and being very like able to think on your feet and everything like that really is like from my mom. Like she always looked at me and was like, listen, like Michigan's fine and it's great. And like, it's nice to raise a family here, but like, there's so much more to the world Like, go out and like see the world. And then if you want to come back after that, like, that's fine. But at least you don't need to like be born, raised and like stay here your entire life and never see anything. And she started a job as a flight attendant. So it made it like way easier too. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. I love that attitude because it's true. Like very often I find that people just tend to stay where they were born and raised and just yeah. raise their family and don't necessarily see the benefits of kind of leaving and, and having their kids leave. Cause that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think my dad and myself, I'm finally just like accepted it. <laughs> I just kept staying. They were like, you've been there like five years. Like, what are you even like, <laughs> what is going on? Then they finally just were like, you know what, whatever. She'll, she'll probably be back at some point. Like they just kind of accepted it. They knew, they knew I was safe. I was working. I was going to school. Like it wasn't, it's it's not like I know everyone like characterizes Eastern Europe as this wild and crazy place and there are parts of Eastern Europe that are like that but like Czech Republic is an EU country like it's super super safe like they don't have a crime problem um I used to take public transport all the time at 3 a.m like it was completely fine like you could never do that in an American city like a female like by yourself at 3 a.m like it's just not never had a single problem so you know, at the end of the day, I think they were just kind of like, okay, she's going to do her. <laughs> just kind of accepted it. Accepted right. me. Yeah, no, that's great. That's so great. I love that. So let's, let's shift a little bit. Um, because speaking of your parents, so a couple, a couple years ago, pretty recently, you, you lost a parent. So could you talk a little bit about that and, and maybe share some coping mechanisms that, that you, that you've used to help, help you get through it? Yeah. So it's, a very kind of unique situation for me to be like my age and losing a parent who is that much older. Um, obviously there are people who, so I just turned 31. So of course there are people who lose parents in childhood and accidents happen and freak medical things happen, but there was a big age difference between my mom and my stepdad. So it was like 18, I think 18 years, 19 years. Um, and so he for was literally one of the healthiest, most active people like for his age or like in general, like he was healthier than some people who were like 20 years younger than him, but he did have a, a traumatic brain injury like years ago. And I think there's still a lot of research being done on the connection between like 
if you have a really bad brain injury and then like you might be able to like live for like X amount of years, but they don't know the connection really between like developing Alzheimer's, dementia, like all of these like um, kind of mental like illnesses like later in life. So essentially, like we think that's kind of what ended up happening. He ended up coming down with like a very severe, like um, usually a lot of people with Alzheimer's, it's, it's a very slow progression. I mean, it's painful to watch. It's terrible, but it's very slow. And then it, it gets worse and worse and worse over a period of years. It's not generally like in two years, you're suddenly like, can't remember your name type of thing. Right. And with him, it was like a very fast um, decline, which is like awful to watch. And plus like, it's just a weird thing to watch when someone's so physically healthy and then their mind is slowly like declining. So I do not wish that on anyone. And I obviously hope that they start finding cures or ways to like, right now it's kind of just more preventative things that we can try and do, like eat healthy, sleep enough, decrease stress. But in terms of actually, there's not any cure, like help for it once you're already like diagnosed. So it's, yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, But we had kind of, it's a weird thing when you're, and I've talked to people who have lost either parents or grandparents or like siblings like if you're slowly watching someone decline whether it's cancer alzheimer's like there is it's a weird thing you have a sense of guilt and also of relief because no one wants their their relative to be sitting there suffering in pain and like my stepdad was a very very proud man so to see someone like losing his mental faculties and then he would have moments where he would recognize what was going on was like awful so he in a way was and this sounds terrible, but anyone who's like had to watch a relative slowly decline can understand what I'm talking about. He ended up having a series of strokes. So in a way he was almost lucky. Like he didn't live another 10 years. We didn't have to put him in a home because we couldn't provide the care he needed. So he was still at home with us up until he had a series of strokes. And then he pretty much passed away like within a week. So it was hard. It was really hard to see my mom go through it and all our relatives. But on the other hand, like we knew the the end game of him just living with Alzheimer's was going to be so horrific and terrible for everyone. So for me, I think just recognizing since, you know, my mom and I have talked about that, like we have a different situation than a lot of people because he was already so sick for years. So it was like, we took some like peace or like comfort in knowing that he's in a better place, which I know sounds cliched, but it's true, especially in this case. And that we, had a different experience because it wasn't like he was 55 years old and then dropped out of a heart attack. And we had like, no, like kind of like preface or we, we had no clue. Like, I think that's like, I mean, you can't like quantify what's worse. (laughs) It's terrible to lose a parent. (laughs) It sucks either way, but like we were kind of somewhat prepared. Like you're never prepared for grief. You're never prepared for that. And as much as his death was kind of sudden, like it was also like, we don't want him to keep like suffering So I think just knowing that like he is in a better place and that he lived an amazing life. I mean, he was still in his seventies when he passed away. Like he wasn't 45, like his life wasn't cut super, super short. He was surrounded by his friends and family. We never had to put him in a nursing home. So just knowing that the end of his life, like he was surrounded by people that really loved him and cared about him. He is Italian American and Catholic. So they have huge funerals and it's like, they're very into tradition. And we threw like a beautiful, beautiful, like, memorial service and funeral and like that was something that was like very important to him he was the guy who showed up to everyone's funeral and like paid his respects always dressed to the nines 
So knowing that he, you know, we were able to like honor him in that way and get him a beautiful gravesite and everything like that, that also, that's something that would have like, or like does matter to him. So just being able to like honor him and like all the things that he taught me as like a stepdad and like trying to live my life. He's someone who is incredibly honest and believed in like integrity and morals and just trying to like do right by people. So that's something that I try to like, I think just trying to honor your loved ones, not just in the physical way of like showing up with flowers at their gravesite, but also like living how they would want you to live. Yeah, I love that. I love I'm also noticing a pattern that you're focusing, you've chosen to really focus on all the positive aspects um, of, of really his life and what he left you with. And that's such a beautiful way to to work through the pain. Yeah, I remember when I first like found out that he had Alzheimer's, I was telling a friend and I actually didn't know that she had lost a sister. And so I mentioned to her like, oh, I'm just like sad because I'm imagining like all these times he's not going to be there, like for my wedding, to see my future, get all this stuff. And she was like, honestly, like, don't, she's like, it's like a, and for her, it's a, it's a much different experience to lose a sister and lose a sister young or like a sibling in general. But I just remember her saying that she was like, you can't go down that road of like thinking about the what ifs because it's a, it's just a dark tunnel of like endless, like sadness grief. and like grief and it, it doesn't bring you anything. And it, that doesn't mean you like you could only be positive. Like, of course, there's days when you're going to break down and cry. And it's always the little things that you never expect that are going to set you off that do. And it happens. But like, in general, trying not to like actively focus on that is I think, like really important, especially as it's like, it's totally different when you've just buried someone. But like, as you get into like a year later, a year and a half later, like two years later, like you have to keep like, trying to move forward with your life at some point. Right, right, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I also, I, I think it's very interesting how um, you say you lost the parent and he's, he's actually your step parent. Um, and he, he was really like a father to you, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. He was in my life since I was eight or nine years old. So he, yeah, that's also something I try to tell because I think sometimes people are like, oh, like it's, I don't want to say like, there are still, and not that no one said this after he passed away, but I think there is still kind of this weird attitude in our society, like as if a step parent like is less kind of worthy. And it's like, and I understand some people have very fraught relationships and sometimes, you know, I mean, God forbid, thankfully my parents chose amazing spouses to get remarried to. That's not always the case. Like sometimes you just don't get along or they're not a good person. I completely got that. But in general, like if someone's been in your life since you've been like, especially like, you know, not as old as a teenager, like that's a big, like, for your formative years, you know? And I mean, yeah. he was a very involved parent. So was my stepmom. So yeah, it's just weird to me when people were kind of like, oh, well, it's just your stepdad. It's like, I mean, he was just as much of a dad as my dad was. Right. I, I yeah. I mean, that's a very important um, point to reiterate because I, I, I want our listeners to understand that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, it's really special that you had that, um, truth is, you know, thinking about it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that about, I mean, it was my, I lost my grandfather to Alzheimer's and obviously it's different than a parent. Um, but I was thinking like, as, as you're talking about that, the period of decline was probably the hardest. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It is the most like heartbreaking thing. Like I've ever had to see because they, especially at that stage, I'm sure like we never got to that stage with him where he was completely, completely out of it. 
But I think that stage where they, they are slowly declining, but they still have like moments where you can see the light kind of go on in their eyes and they recognize that they're declining. Like that was like the most terrible part for my mom and I. Right. For sure. So how did you work through that? Did you go to therapy? Did you? Yeah, I went to, I went to therapy right after because I had gone to therapy before. Um, and that was something that like was very beneficial for me. Um, it was, he passed away like during the summer. So it was that actually kind of helped in a way because I'm very like sensitive to like weather and like our winters are so tough and gray here. So it was still beautiful outside. So I tried to go on walks. I tried to like still not necessarily work out, but at least like just, I love taking walks and we have like a beautiful area near where I live. Like that's like wooded and outdoors. So that really helped me. Um, just spending like a lot of time with family, some friends reached out like, um, but yeah, therapy was definitely like a huge thing for me. Um, that definitely helped. And then I, that was kind of like the main thing. I just kind of like spent a lot of time. I was unemployed at the time because it was kind of that weird time right after COVID. Um, so I spent like a lot of time just reading and spending time at home. And it was like a very, like my mom was actually, she had been furloughed from work. Um, so we spent like so much time together. We'd have, both of us love cooking and it's very therapeutic for us. So we spent a lot of dinners, like just making stuff and spending time. Like, I mean, and I acknowledge that like, you know, that's a very privileged place to be in. Cause a lot of us have to like, whether you're running a business or even if you're just, you know, like work in an office job, like you don't usually like get a lot of time off for grief. And like, that's really tough. So I feel like like, I'm so thankful that both my mom and I got the time at home just to like heal and like be together. Like that was kind of like the main thing for me. And another thing, which I don't know if this works for everyone, for me personally, talking to like other people that like lost, whether it be a parent, a sibling, uh, even a grandparent, like just knowing that like, you're not alone. And like, there are, are other people like that have gone through similar experiences. Like, I was, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is like helpful, just like, you're still going to get emotional about it. It's still going to be like a tiny bit like triggering, but it still like feels like, um, kind of comforting to know you're in this really sad club together. Like you're not alone. And another, like a podcast that's really, really helped me. Um, it's specifically about grief and it's called terrible. Thanks for asking. So I highly recommend that podcast. Um, she talks about anything from like divorce to like losing a spouse or and her own story is like really, really sad. But like she talks about how she like kind of made it out. And also like knowing how to like act around someone who's grieving, I think is like an important conversation that like isn't really had enough in our society. Like it doesn't mean you need to be like hypersensitive all the time, but like Sometimes, you know, it's just a little like people don't really get it. I think that we are really uncomfortable in American society around grief. So it's like people just avoid the topic rather than if you just say like, hey, I'm really sorry about your loss. Like that's enough. But acting like it didn't happen. Like my mom's run into that a lot. It's like, you know, she married her spouse for 20 years, like at least acknowledge it. Like that's not like a good look. So I think... (laughs) Like, just like, like it, that's a big deal. Like, she's not sad about a goldfish. Like, <laughs> so I think just like being able to have those conversations is also helpful from both sides, like, but more for the people who are like around the grieving person, like do some reading, like talk to maybe like some people who are in that field or whatever. And like, 
maybe listen to that podcast. But just knowing how to act is like very helpful for the person going through it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, is there, are there do you have any other, you know, tips or advice on how to talk to someone who's just, or what to say or what not to say to someone who's grieving? I mean, never minimize it. Like, like ever, like it's a terrible thing. Like obviously they're going to be sad. Um, also just like, don't make it about you. Like the number of people that like, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. And like, it really wasn't like my close friends and family, but kind of like distant people are like, it's fine to talk about your own experience with grief. Like that's totally different, but just kind of like being there and giving that person like a lot of like leeway and grace. Like if, especially when it's someone like really close to you and especially when it's something that was very like unexpected or kind of sudden, like don't, they're probably going to be a little bit of a mess is the nicest way I can say it. Like they're like, I, I know I was like, I, as much as I wasn't out like partying, but I was still like drinking a little too much. I was still like eating not very healthy. Like I just, I needed a minute. Like you just need a minute to like, kind of, I don't want to say spin out of control. I don't mean ruin your life, but you just, you just need a minute to like go through things and like, yeah, you're probably going to like randomly cry in the supermarket because like <laughs> something happened and reminded you like, just like give people space and like, don't, don't act weird around it. Like just let them, if they need to cry it out for a minute, like just be the shoulder to cry on and like, let them talk about it. And like, and that's it. That's all they need. Usually like most people, they just need like a few minutes and then they're fine. And like, they just need to let it out. So I think just being doing that. And then, like I said, like just acknowledging that they've lost someone close to them is like already goes a long way. And I have heard like, and I did this for a friend recently, only because like literally I heard that from that podcast that it can be really overwhelming if you lose someone suddenly. Um, people are always like, mo- I mean, most people like have really good intentions and they'll say things like, oh, well, let me know if you need anything. But for the grieving person, sometimes it's it's like they, they can't even like function. So they literally can't even think of like, if you just lost a spouse and you have kids to take care of, like, you're probably not going to like write to this person. And a lot of people don't want to burden other people. And be like, hey, can you drop off like a casserole? Like, I can't even think about getting out of bed and making dinner. It's like sometimes you need to just be the person that like shows up and is like, hey, like I made you like a baked pasta dish and a salad like here. And like, I don't want to like intrude and be in your space. Like, just like whatever, like just drop stuff off or like they already get a million things of flowers, which is beautiful. But like, it doesn't help with the day to day if you're like that overwhelmed. Right. That's a really good point, by the way. It's like just give set be like I'm making you dinner tonight or tomorrow yeah, like, exactly. or both whatever it is like what what are your kids like or what do you like yeah. or whatever yeah. like as opposed to being like how could like let me know if there's anything that I could do for you no one's gonna rarely do people actually say oh yeah please could you do whatever you know right right that's a really great point yeah okay um is there do you have anything else to add um to that Um, no, I mean, I think that's the main things. And obviously when I say that, I mean, that's clearly for someone you're like very close to, like, I I don't think your coworker at the office wants you showing up to their home address, like (laughs) who you've never met outside of work. Um, no, I think just, yeah, doing that. And I think finding like what works for you, right? Like, I don't think necessarily, like I know our, like, again, our society is really into therapy. I think therapy is great. I love therapy, highly recommend it for pretty much anyone but that might not be someone's like journey. Like maybe it's like, if someone's very spiritual and religious, like it might be like talking to like a priest or like a rabbi or like 
whoever like and I also think like some people are very into like yoga and meditation but I don't think that's the answer for every single person so I think you need to know like what like I mean as adults hopefully we already know like what brings us peace and like solitude and I think getting kind of slowly back into that and also like just like I said like you're gonna be a mess for a little bit just give yourself grace and like time to breathe and like don't freak out if like oh well I'm not back in my like perfect disciplined routine yet and why am I crying randomly and like just let yourself like go through it right right for sure yeah um those are really great points especially um like to do what what what's good for you because I think people do tend to sometimes see like what society is talking about or what society decides is, is beneficial um instead of thinking about like what would what resonates with them or what really helps them feel like heal um, and even if you don't know, just like trying different things out to see what works, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I think also like some people it's, it can be really hard to see pictures of someone they just lost. For me, it wasn't hard. It was actually brought me a lot of peace, like looking back at his memories, but if that's too hard for you, like, don't feel like you need to like do all of that. Like it just, I think whatever works for you, if you need to like put the pictures away for a minute or like you need time to sort through their stuff, like whatever is like the, the day-to-day stuff I think is also what can get like really overwhelming, especially for like spouses or like kids that have to go through their like deceased parent stuff. Like that can be really, really hard. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just thinking in regard, okay, so we're going to shift gears now. Um, because even though like these have nothing to do with, with one another, obviously like losing a parent, which is so serious and, um, so painful, um, which you, by the way, just gave so many, so much good advice. You just offer so much good advice to, you know, to people who are going through this or who have friends and family. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to shift gears to business now. It's talking about your business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know it's like, I I can't even like connect them. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, it's fine. I'm terrible with transitions, honestly. I'm like, anyways, <laughs> this is what we're going to talk about now. <laughs> so we're going to transition to the business. Um, first of all, I didn't even realize. So so you you do a lot. You're an influencer. You have gorgeous pictures, by the way, on your feed. Um, you've taken some for me as well. Even your selfies. You're just like, you're talented at taking pictures and yeah, um, and makeup for sure. And you have your own brand. So let's talk about which by the way, it's so funny because after I, I came to, I, I we recorded a podcast that I'm, your podcast that I was on, um, I saw my brother and he looked at your Instagram, your, your business Instagram. And he's like, I really want one of her t-shirts. And I was like, so order it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. um, yeah. He's like this cool, like 20 year old. And he's like, yeah, I will when I get back to the States. He's he's out of country, but, um, yeah, I mean, you have super cool clothing. So what inspired you to start your brand? So I think I always like wanted to, I mean, Detroit is a very international city. So, and we have so many, like, that's what I really like about it. It's such a big melting pot here. Um, And then I was inspired by like my own travels. So I did want to do kind of like start out with like t-shirts and body suits and just really comfortable clothing. But Go like fit. So I wanted it to be like fitted and like comfortable, but like like a bodysuit or a t-shirt underneath a blazer and like wear it to work. Like and it's completely like appropriate and like just like fit was a huge thing for me and comfort and quality. 
So those were like kind of the main reasons why I like started it. And then I also had the idea of like, I wanted it to showcase like, you know, the diversity of the city and like also be able to like give back and work with like charities. So we're getting like more into that, especially with the holiday season that's coming up. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much the main reason I started. Nice. That's really cool. So how long have you had this, have had your brand for? I have had it since December of 2019. So right before COVID hit. Oh, wow. Great time. <laughs> I had okay. like three <laughs> events planned, like, and I think it was like March, April, May, obviously that didn't happen because we were all stuck inside. So yeah, interesting, interesting time to start. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how how have you, could you share some of your, you know, marketing tactics or techniques within a set? Because even though obviously your brand is different than other brands, um, how do you differentiate yourself in the saturated market? So I think I'm still in the stage of like figuring out what works, which is like common for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially when you're bootstrapping and you're starting out. So to be honest, like uh, influencer marketing didn't necessarily really work for me. Um, I'm willing to give it another shot at some point in the future um, and probably change the strategy a little bit. Um, the main like thing for me, which I've heard from a lot of other entrepreneurs in Detroit uh, has been who have like a physical product um, has been like pop-ups. Like that's been like, like then I get to meet people. I think people want to know who's behind the brand as well. I mean, I'm the same way for a small business. If you don't have any face and I have no idea who you are, like I'm not as apt to probably support it. Um, so I think being at events, meeting people, that's been like a huge like help with marketing. Like that's probably been like the main thing outside of obviously like I try to like work on our social media presence. Um, going to get into email marketing, like the, the common sense things. Like, of course, I'm doing those. But yeah, I think events have been like the biggest help for sure. Right. It's so interesting that you mentioned events because I was just speaking with someone else who said the same thing. Um, I haven't found that I, I don't love events, um, for my, for my brand, but it's interesting to see like, which, which marketing techniques, strategies work for different people. Um, I mean, as you said, you're still figuring it out. And I think we all are, to be honest, like even every few years, even, you know, established businesses have to kind of like shift things because just the way of the world, we're constantly, um, you know, the, the world is, is it's moving so fast and things are constantly changing. So um, you have to update your strategies all the time. But in regards to influencer marketing, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I, I think it's a really important point. A lot of people and beginning like new entrepreneurs tend to think that influencer marketing is like the be all end all. And, yeah. and the truth is that it's really, it's, it's not always like that. It's not always like that. I mean, um, what, what has your experience been like, if you go into like a little bit more detail without names, obviously, but, um, let's talk about that. Yeah. So the people, so any of the people I have posted on my page have been like amazing, like, obviously like they're very professional, like very prompt, like they've been super great. Um, some of the people I haven't worked with either, they don't respond to emails like at all or in a timely fashion. And the thing is like, they're, they're literally missing, like you, as an influencer, like you have to treat this like a business. So if you're not responding to emails, like I'm willing to work with you, like to a degree on like your rates and stuff like that, but just not responding because like, oh, well you didn't initially offer me exactly what I wanted. So therefore like screw you is like not, it's not professional. It leaves a very bad taste in my mouth, like as a small business owner. 
again, like I completely understand if it's a multi-million dollar brand reaching out to you, of course, like you're going to be like, no, this is my rates. I'm not negotiating. But I think there has to be a little bit of leeway to be like, hey, like you're a small business, like you don't have an endless budget. So I'm willing to work with you a little bit. Even if you're just like, hey, well, I'm not going to do a post on my feed, but I'll do like a story that's up for 24 hours. Like even just something simple like that is completely fine. So I think the inability to kind of like think outside of the box and that attitude of just like, it's all about me and like no one else is like not a great way to go about life in general. And especially not from like a business perspective. Um, so that's been part of the problem. And then I just didn't really see like that much return on investment. Um, so it just kind of, to me, I'm going to like revisit it at a later point. Like you said, you never know. It could be in a few years, like, or like a year or two, um, that, that, would like work really well just for right now it, it just seemed like an endless amount of like product and all of these other things going out for like not enough return to make it make sense right right and I also want to say that um it's for all the small business owners who are listening to this that it's perfectly okay and very normal to ask for a reduced rate like you you are totally allowed to um obviously in a respectful way and you know not minimizing the work that the influencer is doing for you but it's very it's very normal to ask for a rate you know i mean for a, for a discount um especially as a small business and it's okay for them to say no you know it's right just... absolutely i mean the worst they're going to say is like no i'm not going to do it for that price which is fine like they're within their right to say that that's totally fine um but you're also in within your rights to like ask for a little bit reduced. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also ask, like I said, you can also ask for less, like less content. Right. So if like, okay, that rate is way too much for me. Like, okay, maybe I won't have you do a whole like YouTube video using my makeup, but like, maybe like you can just post a little like reel or an Instagram story, even just like a product shot or something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And also in regards to the return on investment, I also think it's important for people to know that, um, numbers are not necessarily like follower count is not doesn't necessarily mean that the person is going to get you the sales influencers going to get you the sales and even you know engagement it really depends it's important to to hire influencers who are who cater to your niche whose followers appreciate what you have to offer um and even so you really it's 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 a gamble you 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 have to be prepared that you might not get any return on investment uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think this like obsession with like, oh, well, so-and-so has 50,000 followers. Like that doesn't mean that A, they have an engaged following and B, like, I mean, you have to make sure like I've worked for like, you know, small entrepreneurs like locally that like, oh, well, they have a million followers. So I'm going to send them stuff. And it's like, but they don't even post like pictures of that type of content. So that doesn't make any sense. Like if all of their, like every single picture is them in a bikini laying by the beach or something, then like it would, and you can't even like see what they're wearing. Then like probably if you sell evening gowns, like maybe not the person <laughs> to use, like it just doesn't make any sense. All they're going to do is post a little story and be like, all right, thanks. So the product in a box, like, what does that do for you? Exactly. Exactly. And make sure, because unfortunately there's a lot of dishonesty and um, yeah, I mean, in the influencer world where people do tend to buy followers, buy likes, buy views, and just to be aware of that. And, you know, not, not to be negative Nancy over here, but just to like, you know, make you aware that our, for our listeners, um, that just, just to be careful when it comes to influencer marketing, because it's not all like the way it seems. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and generally just making sure 
Also, I've talked to another small business owner that she had the problem where when she first started out, she was just offering like free products, sending it out. Um, and then some people would, and everyone's busy, like she's very understanding, but then it would be like a few weeks and no post and no mention and no, and she would like check that their product got delivered. And then it was like, she literally had to kind of like, be like, listen, you either have to post, like you agreed to it. I have it in writing or like, you're going to have to pay for the products. Like you don't get free stuff and zero work. Like, unfortunately there are some people who are just not particularly professional. I haven't had that problem, but I have heard of it happening. So just being like very crystal clear with like, I need X amount of post. I need them done by this day is like really important. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, actually I've, I've had experiences like that. Um, when I first started, I I didn't realize that you had to be so like have a contract or something. Like, right. And um, yeah, I mean, to this day, I could still and and you remember those people. You remember who hasn't posted for you like three years? One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because it stings. <laughs> you're like, really? <laughs> like yeah. you're gonna you're gonna do that to a small business owner? Like, ouch! <laughs> like totally. <laughs> yeah. No, one hundred percent. I would totally hang on to that. <laughs> It's hard. Yeah. I mean, listen, like you could forgive, but it's hard to forget. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, <great. laughs> have you ever felt, I'm curious to know if you ever felt imposter syndrome in your business? Oh yeah. All the time. Because they feel like, you know, social media, I always say that like Instagram is the highlight reel of everyone's life. And the number of people that like, especially there's people like I know, like are not necessarily killing it, which is fine. Like so many of us aren't and no one is killing it all the time, 24 seven. But like, it's just the, yeah, it can, it can get overwhelming sometimes. Like the, sometimes like nonsense or people that like hype themselves up a little bit. And you're like, listen, it's cool to be confident and everything else, but like, don't try to like flex on people or kind of make other people feel bad. Like, it's great to celebrate your successes, but I think also like talking more about like the journey of what it took to get there, right? Like the vast majority of people, it wasn't an overnight success. Like it was all of these things you did in your life that like prepared you for then like maybe five years, 10 years later, then you it, like took off for you. But instead you're just kind of showing like, oh, I started my business like six months ago and it's clearing like six figures. And it's like, <laughs> I don't really believe that. Like, I like something isn't adding up here. It's so true, by the way. It's like they, you know, you know that saying like, um, she was an overnight success, except it took her fifteen years. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's funny because like what you just mentioned. I actually like I know someone who who always advertises her stuff as like, um, you know, her six figures within her first year of business, and I happen to know that this person built an online community for six years before that. Right. And then so launched you were like, business. right. Yeah. I'm like, no. Like, I mean, I guess that's not, not what happened. Right. Yeah. So there's no like straight up lying, but it's not so ethical. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, definitely. So it's just, it's interesting, like, to, to really be um, cognizant of that. And, um, you know, just to, to, to really, because it's hard sometimes, like, when you're on social media and you see people posting things and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, how are they like this? And I'm still at this point. Um, to remember that you're just seeing the highlight reel and it's not always so accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah, just like you said, stopping the like comparison game and like, we're, we're always going to compare ourselves with, you know, to a degree to other people, but you know, not letting that take over your life is really important. And it's something like, 
I've, there's people I've unfollowed and they're not bad people. I just notice like anytime their stuff would like their whole Instagram was like a highlight reel and everything was perfect and they never had problems. And it was these like perfect pictures in front of like a million pounds of food. And like, yeah, they're size zero. It just like, I started like getting in my head, like, well, what are they, like, they seemingly don't have a job. Like, I just was like, what, like, what is going on? And I just felt like gross and negative around, about their feet. And I was like, you know what? Just, I'm just going to unfollow. Like it's my, it, that's my home. Like it's my social media feed. So I feel very strongly about that. Like if you feel negative about anyone's like, or thank God, like the smartest thing Instagram ever did was develop the mute button. Like I understand there's some people for business reasons, you you don't want to unfollow them and it's nothing personal. I don't think these girls are bad people. It just stressed me out to see their feeds. It was like a me thing. So, I mean, just at least hitting the mute button and like same with like the feed and every, or like the stories, like if that is like too hard for you, just like unfollow them or hit the mute button, I think is like the easiest way to go. I totally and completely agree. I think that sometimes we give up our control um, or, you know, our we give up our sanity, you know what I'm saying? Because like if, if something is making you feel upset, if something is, is bringing negative energy into your life, you don't owe anyone anything. That's what, you know what I'm saying? Like, take back control. Take the control back and be like, okay, this is not healthy for me. And as you said, there's, unfortunately, there are some times where you have to keep following someone because of business reasons, for business reasons. Um, you could just mute them. And I've done that plenty of times. Um, and you know what? If it's really stressing you out, you could just unfollow and figure out what to do about your business. Like, there are always ways to figure things out. Um, no, it's just really important because I think that we so often give up our power in life. Because we think we have to do something. And honestly, there are rarely have-tos. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of it comes from our childhood. It's like, we have to be nice. We have to invite this person. We have to do this. And then it's like, we have this ingrained in our brains that like, we have to do all these things, you know, and it like the adult equivalent, you know, the, the adult version of whatever it was as, as a kid. So it's important to really remember that and that we don't. Okay, I would love to hear about your podcast, which of course I know about it, but I want you to tell everyone about your podcast. So it's called Women We Love Wednesday. So I interview local female entrepreneurs um, about their businesses, about like their journey on starting their business, about, you know, also like their childhood, how they started out, like what really like makes them tick, basically. Um, I also love talking to them about like both successes and failures that they've had along the way. Um, with women we love, we are, we do have a website. We're slowly like building that out. Um, we've had like some really amazing, like guest blog posts. Um, I've written a few. So the end goal is really to build it as like a platform and probably do some like networking events and just really have it be like an open space for women, like to both learn from other people's stories, but also like get really like valuable advice. And even for example, like some of the blog posts, it's been on everything from like, we had like a professional organizer do like a spring cleaning blog post to like, I've had like a woman, one of my friends talk about her journey, like taking off the hijab. So it can either be like personal development stuff or like business development, um, anything in between. So just having it be like a really great resource for women um both female entrepreneurs and people who aren't entrepreneurs so interesting yeah i i've gone through i've listened to some of them and um so i actually like obviously we we know some 
we have some mutual acquaintances and friends because we're both from Detroit. So it's fun to like look and see who you've interviewed, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's funny because like some of those girls like know each other and it's just like really cool to like one of them I interviewed and she's like, oh yeah, like my other friend said she's going to be on the podcast soon and we're really close actually. And so it's, it's really nice and it's a really like supportive place. And I try to like have as much like diversity, both in like, you know, backgrounds, but also like life experience as well. Cause there's just, that's, you know, like I said, that's one of the best parts about Detroit. So I don't want it to solely be like millennial women who look like me. Like there's so much more to this city. And like, I think that can be kind of a problem, especially with like ageism is like, there's a wealth of experiences that someone who's like, like a tiny bit older and has kids. Like she has a totally different life experience than me. Like I can still learn like a lot from her. Yeah. And then as you got older, they had even more life experience we could learn from. Right. Exactly. Um, I would love to, I know we like kind of touched on this a little bit, but let's talk about your social media boundaries. We spoke about social media, but I want to talk about the boundaries um, that you have, that you put into place. So, yeah, like I said before, like anyone that I feel like negatively about or so I'm kind of like conflicted on cancel culture, right? Like, I think there are people who definitely like are just not good people and like they don't deserve a second chance. Um, but I also think like outside of like the very obvious, like red flag type of things, um, I do unfollow people if I just feel like they've had a chance to like make a bonds and like learn from the mistakes and they just keep doing the same thing. Like, I don't really want to be a part of that. And again, that just feeds into more negativity. I'm also like, very you and I talked about this uh not into negativity on my feed in general um with that being said like I'm a pretty honest and open person so I'm fine with having that on my social media um like my own page obviously um but in terms of like getting involved in like drama or I just don't see how that like benefits anyone or anything and I also think if I mean I don't generally have conflicts with people (laughs) But if I do, like, I'm not going to talk about it online. Like, you know, we're all adults, like meet up in person or it just doesn't sit right with me. And I just feel like it fosters more negativity and is counterproductive. So that's my main things. And then I know you and I had also mentioned, like, I generally don't share many pictures of like my family almost ever. Um I'm just, you know, I'm protective of them and I don't have a huge following right now, but you also never know who's looking at a public account. And I have nieces and nephews that are young and like, they're not my kids. Like it's not my job to like post them. Like if their parents want to, then they will. Um, And I think just being aware, like it's my feed, but like my family didn't choose to like be an influencer so it's a little like that's fine if like some people's families think it's like hilarious and they love being on the feet like that's totally different or like um I know some people post like funny things of like their parents once in a while like I'll do that sometimes but overall I think just like you have to respect people's boundaries in your life if you're dating someone who like really doesn't like social media and like is very uncomfortable with it like I mean respect that like don't be splashing them all over your feed just for quote unquote content. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think those are kind of my main boundaries. And I just try to, I am not good at it right now. Like most people, I'm trying to be better about not sitting mindlessly and scrolling because truthfully, that's like not bringing me anything. 
it's just wasting my time when I have very limited free time. So I'm trying to be better um, about that. So, and I think in general, whether you're an influencer, whether you're a small business owner, um, knowing what, just like anything else, knowing what your niche is and um, being kind of aware of that with like the content that you put out, which is something like I'm like trying to be more purposeful about. So still like growing, growing pains, a process, but yeah. 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 I totally agree. Um, because you could really get lost. We, we, we get so lost in the scrolling. It's unbelievable. Like an hour later, you're like, what just happened? Like how? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really great point. Um, especially when you're using it for business, just like maybe even, you know, allocate a certain amount of time that you, can, that you need and then be like nine to nine 30. I'm going to, you know, engage and whatever, be on Instagram. Um, and then after that, just log off. Like you really have to have that discipline and to, you know, in order to really be a functional, like healthy human being, I think, or else you could just get so sucked into that Instagram life. Definitely. And you don't realize how much time you've wasted when you could have spent that time, especially as a business owner. Like, and I know people are like, oh, well, you need to be connected. It's of course, but like, I mean, let's be honest, it's Instagram and we're selling like physical products that we're not, this isn't a 911 emergency center. Like if someone has to wait until tomorrow to answer, like for your answer for a question about like a lipstick color or like how a t-shirt fits, like they're going to survive. They're going to be okay. You do not need to be online every night until 1am, like in case someone might have a question, like they'll survive. And I think it's also like healthy to have boundaries. Like, although you're always there for your customers at the same time, like they need to understand like you're a person too. Exactly. That's something that, I, that I've spoken about actually on Instagram because um, sometimes I think people treat you like you're like this big brand with like all these people. I'm just like, like, you know that I, I was just talking to someone else on a different podcast about this. Like, you know, that really funny TikTok that was going around with some, like a small business owner was saying like, um, let me introduce you to my intern. It was like her. She's like, let me introduce you to my <laughs> Uh, so it was her and like everything was her right, right. here's <laughs> and- my accountant here's my here's the CEO <laughs> yeah yeah so I think people forget and like even if you have a big following even if you have like a lot of followers and you have a big community whatever it is like it's still a small business and there's someone behind that and by the way even if it's not a small business someone is always reading reading the right. dms right so just to keep that in mind you know it's really it's, it's a very good point yeah. Yeah. And I think just like, re- yeah, realizing it's one person, like give them like a, a, some grace. And like, even if it's a small team of people, like there's still everyone is probably stretched to the max. Like yeah. if you're have a startup or a small business, like it's like not realistic to just expect. And it's, it, it's fine to like, you know, pepper them with questions or whatever, but just, be, you know, being polite goes a long way in this world. Like you don't have to like cater to anyone, but just kind of being like, Hey, how's it going? Like, how are you? I have a few quick questions. Like totally fine. Like there's no need ever. I don't think in this world to like not be civil to people. 100%. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And you know, I know that you make time for, you, you mentioned that having very limited amounts of time, which is very normal as an entrepreneur. Um, but I, I know that you do make time for family and friends. So how do you, how, how do you, you know, achieve that work-life balance? Um, I mean, it's hard. Um, just like a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, I'm still like working a normal job and then I'm also working on my small businesses on the side. Um, and it is in the hospitality industry. So it's difficult because post COVID it's, there's a huge, 
problem with like staffing shortages. Um, it's just, it's always a very stressful industry. Um, so having to balance that plus also the small businesses plus also, um, it, it's a lot. Um, I think knowing, and I am like always listening to like podcasts and like different people about like prioritizing time and everything. Um, I think, like I said, like cutting back on social media time a little bit, um, knowing when you're going to be like the most productive, like, um, I know when I did an interview with like Valentina from Vice, she was saying like, if you're a creative person and like, you're really creative late at night, like then you need to set aside time for that. But if like the morning is like not your thing, like for me, I'm not particularly creative in the morning. So I don't really like to, I'd rather do like the admin stuff, like answering emails, like kind of planning out some content, like that makes more sense for me. And when I think I can get more done, I've also heard like really great things and I need to get like kind of back into it. Cause it, for me, it was super helpful. I'm one of those people um, that like, if I am trying to do something for over an hour, like I'm probably not really focused at that point. So I've heard a lot of good things about like the Pomodoro technique or like timed focus or whatever. So like you do 20 to 25 minutes of like a task, then you take a five minute break, then you do another 20 to 25 minutes and you keep repeating that for a few hours. And then in between there's probably like a 15, 20 minute break or something, but that's been like super helpful for me. Cause honestly, if you just kind of like, for me personally, if I just shut off the world and like, deeply focus and then have a little few minute break I can scroll through social media or whatever I can get way more done and then in turn you know have have time for friends and family yeah those are great tips thank you yeah um okay I we're gonna end off with the question that I ask everyone which is what is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with Ooh, that's a great one um, I hope that they won't have to worry about being valued. Like, I hope that sense of like self-worth is already kind of there. And I know a lot of us slowly learn that as we get older, but I still unfortunately see a lot of women that are in like their forties and fifties and even older that struggle with this. So I think just realizing like how valuable they are and also like never allowing someone to like not you know respect them or cherish them um i hope that a future generation like there's at least less of a struggle with this from what like i i can see yeah i love that i hope so too i do yeah i mean it's interesting i i do see that with even older women unfortunately so it would be really cool if we could kind of work past that so that by the time that our teenagers become middle aged that it's already they, 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 they do value themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And okay. Um, Sasha, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? So since I have a million Instagrams, <laughs> um, so my personal one is at straight up Sasha. Um, I also have a food and cocktail blog that's called at eats by Sasha. Um, the clothing line at Dama, D-A-M-A Detroit. And Woman We Love Wednesday. It's just at Woman We Love Wednesday. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay. And I'm going to link all of those in the show notes. So you'll be able to find it easily. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so great having you. Thanks for sharing your experiences, your journey, and advice with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. 
That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 